Hello, this is Reverend Judith Laxer. Thank you for listening to the 21st anniversary service in Gaia's Temple on this podcast, and the service is entitled, A Promise Kept. My wish is that the food for thought offered nourishes your soul. Dear listener, the Gaia's Temple ministry is sustained by generous donations such as yours. We need your financial support, especially now in these challenging times. If everyone donated just $3 each time they tune in to listen and receive the service, that reciprocity would ensure our continuance. If you feel served by listening and wish to donate to help support our ministry, please push the donate button now and give generously. We'd be most grateful. Thank you and blessed be. Thank you both so much. Well, my friends, September brings with it the autumn equinox. This year on September 22nd, which I believe is a Wednesday at uh, 12.31 p.m., just when the sun goes into Libra. That is the exact moment of the equinox. The equinox, as we know, or may probably know, is one of the two natural earth holy days of equal night and equal day. Uh, It's the brief balance point on the wheel of the year. There are two of them. At the autumnal equinox, we are entering into the dark half of the wheel. At the vernal equinox, we enter into the light half of the wheel. But now we are entering into the dark. From now until Yule, the days will grow shorter and the nights will lengthen. And after Yule, they'll begin to grow longer again until we get to the other side of the wheel when the days overtake the nights. Round and round we go. So, excuse me, unless you are here for the very first time, and if you are, welcome, so glad you're here. But if you've been with me for a while, then you know at every September service, I relay the narrative of the Greek triple goddess, the great grain goddess Demeter, her holy daughter Persephone, Persephone's grandmother Hecate, and I have revisioned this myth from the patriarchal telling in the classical era, which includes the abduction and rape of Persephone by Hades, the Lord of the Underworld, into one that I believe was most likely the original tale, a story of the life cycle, a coming of age story, a love story, a story of death and sorrow and transformation and reunion, a story that, sure, personified the changing of the seasons from one of abundance to one of fallow, but more importantly is a story that feeds our souls on the truth of our earthly experience and nourishes our faith on what happens when we leave it. So I've been telling this story even long before Gaia's Temple was founded 21 years ago, so for more than 21 years, but for at least that long, I have been telling this tale. And each year when I tell this story in Gaia's Temple, I focus on a different aspect of the story, which is pretty easy to do because it's a very rich tale. Now, I follow, among others, astrologer Chani Nicholas, and recently she talked about Mercury moving into Libra, which happened on August 30th, and it will be there till November 3rd. And she said that when Mercury moves into Libra, it asks us, to tell a different story. Those were her words. Mercury in Libra asks us to tell a different story. Not the same story told a different way, but a different story. And this really got my attention. 
especially because I know that we had all hoped to be telling a very different story by, by now uh, with regard to this pandemic. I know we had all hoped that we had flattened the curve by now, and then we got the vaccines were readily available and we had some hope there for a little while, uh, but not enough of us got them in time to stop the Delta variant. And now here we are about to enter into the dark half of the wheel again, still in this pandemic with possibly even more strident restrictions than last time. Um, you know, all the social restrictions and, and having a very different holiday season, all when we had hoped that things would be back to normal by now, whatever that means. So it made me think that each year when I relay the myth of Demeter and Persephone and Hecate and Hades, it's about the initial event, the dream that Hecate sends that opens up the portal between the worlds above and below so that Persephone and Hades fall in love, and how he comes to the surface of the earth to get her, how she willingly joins him because they have fallen in love and they descend to the underworld together, how Persephone becomes queen of the underworld and how this matures her, helping the spirits of the dead understand their plight in between lifetimes, how Demeter calls a strike on the surface of the earth so nothing will grow until her daughter is returned to her, and how Persephone and Hades make a promise on six pomegranate seeds, signifying that for six months of the year, Persephone will reside up above in the land of the living, and six months she will reside below in the land of the dead. And then I was walking in my garden and I was thinking about all this and I was thinking about telling a different story, a different story, a new story, a different story. And I thought, well, what about when Persephone returns, not to the upper world in the spring, but to the lower world again, the following autumn? What happens when Persephone knows what she's going to? What happens when Demeter knows that her daughter is leaving? So today, I want to share that story with you, as I've written it, <laughs> a story of what it's like and what it takes to make and keep a difficult promise. So first, let's wrap up that initial descent and return story with a song called Demeter's Daughter, written by Anne Lister and sung by Elizabeth Zinda. Picking flowers in the field, all in the springtime of the year. I heard the sound of chariot wheels, and was afraid with nothing to fear. And there he stood with his eyes like fire, his face as dark as a night in hell. And there he stood with his eyes like coal, and said, Dear lady, I wish you well. They say he forced me, but that's not true. Of my free will, I followed him down to his dark place beneath the hill. 
to his dark palace below the ground and there he loved me and i loved him though all the world there was icy dark we didn't notice the lights grew dim for all the bright flame inside our hearts they say above us the world grew cold the flowers and leaves all began to die. The fruit trees withered and grew old, and darkening clouds covered all the sky. My mother searched hard, she tried to find a pathway leading down from the sun. And long she traveled with troubled mind, until she walked where we both had run. I still remember that dreadful hour. She stood before us and bade me leave. Her dress of sunlight, her face of flower. His face behind me so full of grief. We made a bargain and made it sure. We made a contract and made it sound. That I would stay with her for half the year. The other half come below the ground. It was so good at first to see the sky, to walk in sunlight and hear the lark, but not so good to have to say goodbye to my love down there in the dark. Oh yes, it's true then that life is good, and I have learned the lesson it can teach, that you can never have all you want, and you never want what's within reach. The sweetest flower that ever bloomed grows far deep inside a bush of thorns, and happiness then is like the rose, for without pain nothing good is born. To know the daylight you must know dark, to know the flower you must know weeds. You cannot meet again unless you part, or eat a pomegranate without seeds. Thank you, Elizabeth. It started around Lunasa, the smell of the grain and then the baking, the slant of the light and then the dimming, when she should have been satisfied with abundance, Demeter's body began to ripen around a seed of worry, a seed she had tried to forget, but now rose on subtle dread from deep in her bones to make its presence known on the surface. It cut short her breath and cooled the evenings and mornings. It started around Lunasa, the sound of the scythe and then the stillness, the sharpness of her thoughts and then the visions, when she should have been complete with sunshine, Persephone's heart began to fill, fill with a harvest she knew belonged below. A tiny tolling whispered on the fresh presence of autumn that lifted the first leaves off the trees and brought them down to earth. It started around Lunasa, a glimmer of light and then a draft of warmth, the memory of love and then the longing when he should have been patient for the promise to be kept, 
the heart that beat within Hades awakened anew with doubt, a doubt that angered him for disturbing his hard-won peace. He soothed himself by pacing, and the bone dust and soul stuff that stirred in his wake aroused life among the dead. It started around Lunasa, the scarlet of poppies, and then the seeds, the harvest moon, and then the gathering. When she should have been gratified to rest, Hecate's hands began to itch, an itch that reminded her to return to the crossroads. Her old bones moved on slowness, and the wisdom they held was eternal and ensured that the wheel kept turning. Demeter found that suddenly she couldn't meet her daughter's eyes, for she felt if she did, hers would shed tears and that would hasten their parting. She wanted to delay what she knew was fated for as long as she might. And so she watched her from beneath her brow and spoke to her of little things in a sideways way, the beauty of wheat in the field, the purple of grapes on the vine, the cheerfulness of sunflowers. She avoided mentioning the golden syrup of sunlight as it poured toward evening. It was too close to the truth of the parting to come. As the days grew visibly shorter, Persephone scanned her mind and heart for anything left to say to her mother before the pull below overtook her. She wondered how it would happen. The great below and its king of death were no longer a dream that compelled her away from all that was familiar, for they too were familiar now and their presence rose within her as if she were dreaming while awake. There was Hades, his spectral arms encircling her as if she had never left him below. She felt the thrill of him approaching on the edges of the season and she tasted pomegranate on her tongue. She remembered how the juice of those crimson jewels had slaked her thirst after the blaze of their love consumed her and she blushed to match their hue. Longing shot through her and it weakened her knees. She dropped to the magnet of earth and sat there, her hands upon the ground as if she could touch him through the sod. And then her longing ebbed and in its stead flowed a powerful charge, a duty she knew was hers, a duty to help the souls of the dead. She marveled at what she now knew that life and death were lovers. The last of summer gave way to autumn and soon the equinox arrived on air as crisp as apples. Through the morning fog, Demeter spied Persephone walking among the poppies. She's up early, she thought, eager to leave, I see. Persephone walked slowly, remembering the long ago dream wherein she fell in love and Hecate's ancient hand casting a flame across this very field, remembering the sound of hoofbeats and the smell of horses, and then the sudden magnetic strength of Hades, his gaze penetrating to her depths. She remembered the weight of the silver crown as it appeared on her head, informing her royalty, the long, cool darkness under the earth, and the power of love that made even the starkness of death beautiful and welcoming. She remembered the promise she made, the promise to return below. And then she was seized by fear, and fear led to doubt, 
Worry pricked her heart that perhaps Hades had forgotten her, that he was finished with her and she would no longer be welcome. What if he didn't come back for her? Or worse, what if death really took her this time? What if there would be no returning to the upper world again? If so, she would be saying goodbye to her mother forever. Her poor mother. She worried for her mother, knowing the depths of her despair and the magnitude of the powerful curse she had cast. Persephone suspected, no, she knew, that she was part of something bigger than herself and that hers, all hers, was to do, was to fulfill the promise, her promise, so that it would be kept. And in the keeping, she would have fulfilled her destiny. Having done so, her soul would be at peace no matter what happened next. It didn't matter what anyone else did or didn't do. All that was in her power was what she did or didn't do. Her destiny was to keep the promise she made. And this meant more to her than all of her doubts and fears combined. And this, in the end, is where she arrived, in the confidence that surety brings, in the certainty of her soul. As if the fog had been waiting for her to come to this clarity, it then quickly evaporated, and Persephone's focus shifted to the magic of mourning and the presence of both sadness and excitement that fought for room in her heart. Demeter knew that Persephone was fated to return below at twilight, and today was all they had. She walked to meet her daughter astride among the falling poppy petals, their heads replete with seeds, and when the holy daughter turned to meet the sorrow in her mother's eyes, there was no eagerness to leave there, just a quiet resolve. And Demeter thought her heart would burst with pride for her daughter. Look at my beauty she thought, so willing to do what is hers to do. She sighed, as I must do what is mine. Mortals think the gods are happy beyond exception. They think we do as we like and our powers make us impervious, but they are wrong. Whether my heart bursts with pride or cracks with sorrow, it breaks. Persephone regarded her mother and wondered if Demeter would renew her curse upon the land once she was gone, if she would again have to carry the guilt of the searing hunger she would cause by leaving. But then she remembered how this year, the goddess of the grain had taught her people the mystery they had celebrated at the first harving, the scything and the drying, the threshing and the winnowing, the milling and the baking, how the loaves would sustain them despite the fallow and her mouth gave way to a smile. At this, Demeter broke and sobbed, and the two clung together, wrapped in love and awash in tears. Oh, how I will miss you, Demeter murmured into Persephone's hair. I will visit you every day in my heart, Persephone responded. And soon the shaking of their bodies turned from sobbing to laughter breaking the tension that had been building between them for the past six weeks. They shook with the laughter of relief that at least this time there were no surprises. Both knew what the season of head held for them and knowing this eased their way into it. How grateful they were to have the chance to say goodbye to one another this time. 
to have had the previous fallow as experience to hold them as time tumbled forward. The day was spent on, was spent slowly on trouble-free things, surveying the fields together, promises made for the spring, a simple meal in late afternoon of freshly baked rosemary bread and sweet ripe apples. But soon enough, the slant of the sun reached the crossroads where Hecate waited patiently. Demeter knew she could not bear to accompany her daughter there and watch her take her leave. Instead, she poured a heady brew of barley for them both. They breathed together for steadiness and beheld each other's eyes, holding up their cups for a poignant toast. Demeter's voice held a world of anguish. To your safety, Persephone's voice wobbled. Till we meet again. They drank, and when the brew was emptied from her cup, Demeter took it from her lips to see that Persephone was gone. On the ground lay her daughter's cup. The rest of its contents spilled like blood, pooling softly before soaking down to disappear. Persephone found herself standing in the flickering light of the torch Hecate held where two roads conjoined. Twilight was fading quickly, and she knew the, the moment was upon her. She looked about for signs of Hades, but there were none. No dream, no flame, no chariot. Only the wise eyes of her grandmother, a sentinel, who gazed at her with an ancient love. How do I get there? Persephone asked. Which is the way? You must choose, Hecate responded, and the way will make its way known to you. Persephone considered the darkness beyond the light of Hecate's torch. Neither road looked familiar, and both vanished into night, the long night of the dark half. And then she felt Hades the pull of his love into the darkness. Persephone stepped toward it and found Hecate's torch in her hand, lighting the way. Blessed be. Blessed be the stories that help us to understand and blessed be the stories that help us to carry on. So, of course, there are a few things, a few highlights I want to pull out of this story. And the first is that when the big things seem too much to bear, it's good to focus on simple things. Demeter speaks of the cheerfulness of sunflowers instead of how her heart is breaking. I don't mean that we should deny the truth of our emotions and our experience, but when they become difficult to bear, it's very helpful in the moment to focus on simple things, like the simple meal they have in the afternoon before the appointed hour. If we keep it simple, it makes it easier. For Demeter, she feels pride at what her daughter is doing, that she's doing the right thing, even though she doesn't want her to. There's kind of a dichotomy there, which often happens in life, doesn't it? We have both emotions in the same point in time. 
but we can take pride in ourselves in doing the right thing, even when we don't want to, right? Even when others want us to do otherwise. So, of course, I'm kind of looking ahead to the holidays, and, you know, we all just want to have our holidays the way we want them again this year. We want to get together with everybody, and we just don't care, you know. But we have to care, and we have to do the right thing, even though it's not what we want. Well, we don't have to anything, but I do think it's the right thing to do. And Demeter, even though she doesn't want to say goodbye to her daughter, she doesn't want to miss her. She's proud of her for doing the right thing. And we can take pride in ourselves in doing the right things as well. Now, she can't watch Persephone leave. She does not accompany her to the crossroads. She can't bear to see it. And we know what we can bear and what we can't. And we needn't force ourselves to bear what we don't think we can. They make a toast to each other instead. They're present for that moment. It's a tender moment. And we must remember our tenderness and be tender with ourselves and tender with everyone. Everyone is grappling with all of the hardships that we are experiencing, all the challenges in our world in general, and specifically because this pandemic is still raging. We must be tender and kind and patient and loving, even though it is the hardest thing to do. Self-care, which means not putting ourselves in the way of something we know is gonna harm us, forcing ourselves to do something that we can't bear to do. Self-care is not shirking responsibility, but it's also not torturing ourselves beyond our tolerance. So each of us must find that place where we can stay strong and stay present but also be tender and careful and not force ourselves to go beyond what we can't tolerate. It's a, it's a balancing act, perfect to do at the equinox. Now for Persephone, she is keeping her promise and she knows that she is fulfilling her destiny by doing so. She is focused on what is hers to do. She made the promise and now she's going to keep it. She's going to keep it because she realizes that she's part of something bigger than just herself. There are times when we can do exactly what we want because it doesn't affect other people. But then there are times when we realize that the things that we do, most often, the things that we do is going to affect somebody. Persephone knows that her choice, her promise and keeping it has huge impact on the world. And it is important for her to keep her promise for the highest good. Now, each of us have our gifts and our talents, our strengths and our will, and the actions that we are willing to take in service for the greater good. We should be like Persephone. <laughs> what would Persephone do? And take some time to determine what those things are. What is our promise in the bigger picture? And knowing what that promise is and how it fits into the bigger picture helps us to fulfill it. And then at the crossroads, there is Hecate, the crone of wisdom. And so we can look to those we consider wise, whether they are our elders or our children, wherever you find the wisdom coming from, we can look to that wisdom now for guidance, for solace, and for answers, 
even if the answer is, well, you must choose and the way will make itself known to you. That might not have been a satisfying answer. You know, we often want, oh, well, you know, make a left at the 7-Eleven and it's six miles up the, up the road on the north, you know. But sometimes those answers are not quite that specific. Those answers are choose. That's still guidance. And what an answer like that does is it forces us to tune into our own wisdom. And this is how we grow and mature and hopefully eventually become wise like Hecate for others who are seeking guidance and solace. Ultimately, Persephone feels the love of Hades. It is love that helps her make her choice. May we all make all of our choices from love, my friends. May love always be the impetus behind the choices that we make. So let's take a moment now and go within. If you would, close your eyes, turn inward, reestablish your connection to your grounding cord that you send down at the beginning of the service. And if you came in after we did that, go ahead and ground yourself to the earth now. Take a couple of deep breaths. Just Let's just take a few moments of silence to be with this story. Just think it over and, and focus where, where you wish to focus in this story. And now bring your attention up to your third eye in the center of your forehead. Imagine it like an actual eye, like your other two, and then go ahead and open it up and look out through it into your imagination and find yourself at the crossroads at twilight on the equinox. And standing there is Hecate, the crone of wisdom. And in one hand, she is holding her blazing torch, and in the other, she's holding a small bowl and her presence is a comfort to you. Now, when you look down one path, it is light, full on day. And when you look down the other, it is night, the darkness. As if you were standing right on the balance point of the equinox, and it is showing itself to you by this stark demonstration of light and dark. So just stand here for a moment and consider how you must choose the path that leads to darkness at this time because it is the truth of the season and none of us can change that. The days are growing shorter and will do so until Yule. So turn toward the path that leads to the dark half of the wheel now and just face it. And as you face the darkness, take a moment and think about how you wish to enter and be in the dark half. Will you enter willingly, accepting the truth of the darkness, allowing yourself to emulate nature and rest to restore as much as possible, to tuck in and nourish yourself? Or will you enter with resentment and dread, cursing the darkness, unhappy the whole time, never fully in the moment because you're always waiting for the future? This is the choice you get to make. You can choose to be with the inevitable. You can choose to suffer over the inevitable. Or you can choose to embrace the inevitable. This might not be your preferred season 
but you needn't experience it badly. You can choose to find the light even in the darkness. Choose to find solace in simple things. Choose to remain incredibly careful so you do your part to stop the pandemic, even though it will mean social sacrifices. Make the best choice for yourself now. And now make a promise to uphold your best choice. It's easy to promise in the moment and then life happens and situations come up and sometimes our promise just goes by the wayside. But promise yourself now that you will uphold this choice for the highest good, which includes you, your highest good as well, and that you will do so willingly with as much joy as you can possibly muster and even in the moments that are not joyful, to remember this promise and know that it speaks to a story that is larger than just you. Make that promise now. And now you notice that Hecate is holding her bowl out toward you and you see it is filled with pomegranate seeds. So reach in now and take six of them and eat them. And then Hecate hands you her torch. And just as you take it, this entire vision fades and you find yourself right back here with me in Gaia's temple. And when you feel ready, gently open your eyes. Let's hear the next song, Laurie. Onward we go round the spiral, touching darkness, touching light. Twice each turn we rest in balance, make choices on this night. Make choices on this night. Onward we go round the spiral, onward we go round the spiral. Onward we go round the spiral, 
Touching darkness, touching light, twice each turn we rest in balance. Make choices on this night, make choices on this night. In some of the early texts of this myth, ooh, I'm muted, hold on. There we go. In some of the t early texts of this myth, it ends with, thereafter, Hecate both precedes and follows Persephone. Hecate both precedes and follows Persephone. Metaphorically, we can look at this as the seed within the flower that becomes the next plant, the flowers holding seeds that Persephone and Hecate are those seeds and flowers preceding and following each other again and again and again in the life cycle. And this is why the moment Persephone steps toward love, Hecate's torch, the light of that wisdom, is in her hand guiding the way. May the light of Hecate's wisdom illuminate our way into and through the dark half of this wheel May today's story bring you solace and peaceful acceptance for the times ahead. May you keep your promise for the greater good and show yourself how well you do with the challenges of autumn and winter. May Demeter bless you with plenty and Persephone bless you with courage and may Hecate bless you with wisdom. May they keep you and yours safe and healthy. Blessed be. Well, my friends, there you have it. So at this time, if we were all together in Gaia's temple, this is where we would pass the basket and ask for your generous donations. Of course, we're not together. We're here virtually, but this is a time that we would ask for your donations anyway. And you can go to uh, the Gaia's Temple website and click on one of the donation buttons. Um, there's one on every page, I believe, and make your donations there. And we are so grateful for your donations that keep this ministry going 21 years later. You know, we are a, a grassroots organization. We are doing this completely under our own auspices. And it is because of you that we can keep going. So thank you in advance for all of your generosity. From my heart to yours, thank you. And from all of our hearts to all of your hearts, thank you. And also, in case you don't know, uh, Guy's Temple tithes 10% of the monies that we receive on the day of the service. So if you go and make your donation on this very day, 10% of your donation will go to another nonprofit organization in alignment with our mission and vision and values. And today, that tithe will go to the Orca Conservancy, working on behalf of the killer whale and protecting the wild places in which it on which it depends in the coastal waters of the Pacific Pacific Northwest. So know that ten percent of what you donate today is going to the Orca Conservancy. Thank you so much. So Mari's going to put the um, screen up where, and we're going to sing, even though we're not here together. This is a song we sing while the baskets are going around. We'll sing it three times through, and here we go. Thank you, thank you, Mother Earth for your gifts of love today. Thank you, thank you, Mother Earth. We are following your way. 
Thank you, thank you, Mother Earth, for your gifts of love today. Thank you, thank you, Mother Earth, we are following your way. Thank you, thank you, Mother Earth, for your gifts of love today. Thank you, thank you, Mother Earth, we are following your So, <clears throat> I do have some thank yous to make here. Thank you to, to each and every one of you for joining me and us here on the 21st anniversary of Gaia's Temple. Thank you to Mari Budlong, our tech goddess, who does such an amazing job for us. Thank you so much, Mari. And to our talent today, the recordings of Kimberly Agbriani and Pamela Gurky, and also live here today, Elizabeth Zinda. I also want to thank you all so much for the beautiful job that you do on behalf of Gaius Temple and our community all the time. Thank you so much. And I want to thank my board of directors also. You know, the board of directors shifts uh, with different people. It's a two-year commitment, um, but it always is the most amazing people. And uh, it just does my heart such good that people step up to be in leadership for this organization. And thank you to everyone who's ever been on the board of directors, if you're watching, and uh, to this particular board of directors now, which includes Noemi Shaparo, who has been with me every step of the way from Guy's Temple Inception. I could not do it without her. And to Karina Frenzel, and to Stina Brown, and to Tema Gotchberg, and to Maggie Yell Wilson. Thank you to all of you so, so very much. Okay, so I will remind you that when the service is over in just a few moments, uh, after we release our sacred space and sing our final song, we stay on and uh, we're no longer, we'll no longer be, oh, I forgot the prayers. Yes, good, thank you. Somebody sent that to me this way because I didn't read whatever was going on here. We usually open it up for community prayers before we pass the love offering basket. Oh my goodness, we pray first, then we ask for donations. Totally got that backwards, um, wasn't in my outline, that's why. So let's take a moment now and we will do our prayers. We will offer up our prayers. So this is how that works. If you have a prayer that you would like to make that the community can contribute their energy and love toward, then um, raise your hand uh, using the little um, feature there and a reactions feature. There's a little hand you can hold up and Mari will put you on screen. You'll unmute yourself at that time to offer the prayer. When you're finished, say blessed be and then we'll know you're done. We'll move on to the next person. Um, some people might not like having their prayers. They might want them to be a little bit more private and we are live streaming to YouTube so you can use the uh, chat um, feature if you want us to read your prayer but not speak it out loud for privacy purposes. Okay. I'll open the floor now. All right. Master Anit. I'd like to say a prayer towards Yakima and the whole, uh, on the other side of the mountains, all the way up to Canada and down to Oregon. But the smoke, please uh, bring the power of fresh air to them. Blessed be. Blessed be. Blessed be. 
Pam Gerke. Prayers for all the women of Texas and all the women and girls of Afghanistan. And may the truth of the earth mushroom in time and bring us the true, true freedom for the divine feminine. Blessed be. Blessed be. And I don't see any other um, virtual hands or physical hands raised, Reverend Judy. Okay. All right. Well, you know, there were some prayers in the chat, so if everyone will just, everyone who's on the Zoom meeting can take a look at those, and uh, we'll offer our prayers there too. May all of our prayers, spoken and unspoken, be heard and answered. Blessed be. All right. So... Uh, I'd like to end this service today with the beautiful song, The Tree Was Sail, because it would not be September without us hearing it. So, Maury, go ahead and put that on up. We praise the tree, strong may you grow. We praise your roots that downward go. We praise your branches reaching high, bearing leaves that touch the sky. In the spring with blossoms crowned, in fall apples ripen round, bless the flower and bless the the fruit of every tree. May winter's cold to you be kind. May you blossom in the spring sunshine. May gentle rain in its season fall. May you be
So beautiful. Thank you so much. All right, Elizabeth's going to help us sing out the elements. Go ahead, take it away. Okay. To the spirits of the north, powers of earth. Go if you must, stay if you will, with 